Listen, if you dare, to the Lovecraft Tapes. Welcome to the Lovecraft Tapes podcast. This is Case 16, Mulholland. I am Jeremy, your keeper of arcane lore, and we play Call of Cthulhu, a role-playing game filled with cosmic horror, existential dread, and the scribblings of an old man locked inside a tower for hundreds of years, his mystical symbols etched upon the walls, vaguely resembling eggplant emoji. Nice. (laughs) Your investigators of the unknown are... Brian... As Ben McKnight. Hey guys, I think he's giving me the hairy eyeball. Lupine as Rosa Garcia. Who is hairy eyeballs? Wait, what? What? And Matt as Diego Kennedy. You know, I think I saw something like this on the subway once. How are we doing today? Good. I'm drinking some delicious tea. Well, guys, uh, recently the Mega Millions Lotto jackpot soared to over $1 billion. And that got me thinking about luck. What's the luckiest thing to ever happen to you that might be hard to explain away with just statistics and probabilities? I'll go first. Nothing. After college, I got given a horse. I once found 20 bucks on the floor of a bathroom stall in a Denny's on the side of a highway. Many years ago, my wife and I would travel to a Michigan casino just for some diversion. This was before we got the Texas Hold'em bug, so mostly we played roulette and slots very casually. We weren't and are not big gamblers. We've always enjoyed the restaurants and amenities more. However, on this trip, we were killing time on slots during a slow day on the casino floor. Suddenly, I hit a jackpot. As the attendant counted out thousands of dollars into my hand, we both noticed another slot machine nearby hit a jackpot. It was my wife. Another attendant came out to pay her, again, thousands of dollars. While that was happening, adrenaline still pumping, I fed a couple coins of the machine next to hers and hit the jackpot on the first pull. Thousands of dollars. Although that money is long gone by now, I still think of what a weird and wonderful run of sheer luck that was. I can't explain it any other way. I get lottery tickets every year for Christmas. Ten lottery tickets every year. I've won one dollar in the last six years. All right. Well, listeners, if you would like to drop us a letter from beyond, please visit lovecrafttapes.com anytime and fill out our contact form. We accept well-considered criticism, fawning praise and even YouTube renditions of The Perfect Drug, as if Trent Reznor were Pee Wee Herman. Red Pee Wee Herman. (laughs) This show is brought to you in part by our generous fans and supporters on Patreon.com slash Lovecraft Tapes. Thank you to Jordy Rose, Barry Robeson, Atulia, Brownie Davis, James Mayo, Chris Parker, Elizabeth Grieve, John Scarcella, Kyle Sherman, Huge Pie, Little Rowan Plays, Amanda Power, Jefferson Bell, Eric Zane, Olda Polkert, Mitch L., Andrew Petty, Eric Phillips, Malambra 57, Frank Delventhal, Dom Driver, Snow, Discordian, Horse Striper, Robert Jameson, Boston Harbor Whore, Prophet of Woe, Liz Moonberry, Stephen Gregory, David Winterman, Luke Corbin, Chainsaw Unicorn, Shelly DM, Captain Bashton, Flix Capacitator, Shane Stoley, Peter VDB, James Brown, Ineptus the Stardust, Matthew, Davinia Vonzerovich, Kevin C. Oddity, Oritako, Ruined Ashes, Brindle Stubbs, Phoenix Black, A.E. Jonesy, Marty Dixon, J. Clark, J.R., Botran, Rolling Boxcars, Sean McConnell, Poppy Mama, Jeffrey Young, Bifford, Kie, Holden Omans, Ryan Hill, Eric Hansen, Phil Campbell, Justin Levesque, Nicholas Hutto, Rich Pogue, John Kopasik, Kevin G., Mick Cope, 
LMF10, Tomas, Robert Lamb, John Caballero, Benjamin King, Surat and Wizard of Isinglass, Jehovah's Thickness, Steve L, Matt's sister, literally, Mikey Sith, Claude, Jack, Smegmas, Grundlegunge, Jeff Howie, Christopher W, and Sarah Wiley. Thanks, guys. Appreciate all the support you've given us. Thank you, everyone. When are we taking that trip to Vegas? All right, guys. Well, before we begin, we need to take a quick commercial break. And now, a word from our sponsor. Hello again, it's me, Matt, from the Lovecraft Tapes podcast. You may remember me from such roles as Dan Williams, Detox, Rocky Arroyo, and many, many more. You know, when I'm not skulking behind sarcophagi in a trans-dimensional cavern hidden beneath a haunted house, I like to relax in a warm nest of the Matt Void and enjoy a heaping bowl of, oops, all tapeworms. Ah, that's good parasitic flatworm. You know, oops, all tapeworms was created accidentally through a miracle of science. Imagine, if you will, in the bowels of HW Industries, two different teams were toiling on new products far into the night. In one office, the cereal division had perfected their new egg-shaped breakfast food. In the office next door, the biological weapons division had just completed their lab-grown invasive species that had been bred to eat the faces off of enemy soldiers. Both scientists were so excited to report success to their supervisors, they raced out of their respective labs towards the elevator and CRASH! Two strange experiments that go great together. Thus, oops, all tapeworms was born unto us and our fears made flesh. But enough with the history lesson. Once we convinced other countries that this delicious different cereal wasn't a crime against nature, we began to diversify. For instance, in Japan, you can buy a big box of oops, all tapeworms wasabi eel. Down Mexico way, you're likely to encounter oops, all tapeworms tequila avocado on the menu. And we are pleased to announce oops, all tapeworms foie gras snail for our French-loving territories. So, the next time your tummy is making funny noises, or if you just want to take off a few extra pounds before bikini season, join me in raising a spoon and dig into some Oops All Tapeworms. Mmm, mmm, that's good sestoed. And we're back. Why do you suppose the popularity of that product and or service will eventually wane? When the four-wheel drive kicks in. When the sardines run out. It has to be the uh, the great walrus invasion of 2247. It is inevitable that Taylor Swift will write a song about that product and or service. And once BuzzFeed publishes a negative article, all Swifties will descend upon the BuzzFeed writers to consume their bloated corpses and thereafter avoid that product and or service at all costs, lest it bring back memories of terrible, terrible indigestion. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. It is time, my friends, to play K-16. Tape 4. 
Su Su Sukio. Previously on the Lovecraft Tapes. Making new friends can be a daunting prospect, especially when you're recovering from a traumatic event in completely new surroundings, and you're not exactly sure who to trust yet. After an adventurous lunch, the investigators split up to learn more about Camp Mulholland. Rosa meets Nikki, a laid-back cool kid with a taste for occult rock music. And the two of them enjoy a relaxing canoe trip on the lake. Diego tails the bully who antagonized Brigitte, but when the trail goes cold, he takes up a bow and arrow to show Harcourt his superior archery skills. Ben befriends Lindsay, a fellow camper who keeps notes on everything that happens and shares a penchant for geological mysteries. At dusk on their first day, The fictional ghost stories told round the campfire turned suddenly into true horror played out in the middle of the woods. Rosa You sit on a hard wooden chair directly across from a paper-strewn desk in the Camp Mulholland office, which also serves as quarters for those who run the camp. You glance around to see four beds, three of which are pristine, while the fourth is a jumble of wadded blankets and crumpled pillows. Bookcases and file cabinets line the walls. The stuffed head of an antelope leers down at you. On the other side of the desk, bent over a blank report, Jotting furiously with a blue papermate ballpoint pen is a very tired-looking Counselor Tammy. Her lipstick is smeared at one corner of her mouth, and there are telltale orange crumbs on her bathrobe that smell faintly of artificial cheddar. Behind her is a clock that creeps ever nearer midnight, and for some reason you feel guilty for being the last interview. She looks up suddenly, glaring at you with bleary eyes. Okay, Rosa, I've heard everyone else's story. Now, tell me what you saw tonight. I think Peter was in the woods. We followed a sound. He was kissing, maybe? Peter was kissing somebody in the woods. Okay, that's not unusual. Did you see anybody? He stepped in front of whoever he was kissing. It seemed like he was trying to hide whoever it was from view. And I saw, like, I don't know if it was, like, red hair or blonde hair. And I don't know who it was. Okay, well, you're new here, so maybe you don't know everybody. Uh, but you say red or blonde hair? You, you couldn't see which which one? I couldn't tell. It was weird. So when he passed out, you didn't see who was standing behind him? No. Could there have been nobody? Maybe you were just seeing things. It was dark. Was there actually anybody there? Yeah, there was There was someone there, I think. But you didn't get a good look at him other than maybe some red or maybe some blonde hair. Yeah, because they hid behind Peter. Here's the problem, Rosa. It's late. 
We're all a little bleary after a full day, but we didn't find anything out there. Peter's back at the uh, first aid cabin uh, being looked after by uh, Lem. You know, he doesn't remember anything either. He's a little dazed. But near as we can figure, he got bit by a snake. The snake that he was holding before, he killed it. Yeah, he killed that one. Do you think maybe he could have been out there, like, screwing around with some other snake, you know? Are you saying the snake came back to life? You know, I don't know if you know boys as well as I do. They have a penchant for, like, putting things where they don't belong. Yeah. That's the only thing I can explain. The two puncture wounds underneath his tongue. Was he kissing a snake? Well, that's what I'm trying to find out. You kids haven't seemed to see anything tonight. We didn't see anything. Yeah. That's the problem. We heard some noises, and we followed him out in the woods, and we saw Peter, and he was kissing. Well, I don't know what he was doing. He was standing, like, like with someone in his arms or whatever, and he had, like, his head bent down, but Peter was in front, like, towards us, so I didn't see who it was. Could he have been, like, hugging himself? You mean, like... Yeah, you know, here, let me show you. And she turns around and sort of pretends like she's making out with herself with her arms around her shoulders, moving as if it's somebody else. Oh, well. Like this? I mean, I thought boys did that a lot, too. Well, Peter's a boy. They, yeah, yeah. They they hug themselves a lot. Right. So it could have been him. Maybe he was hugging the snake. Why? Again, boys putting things in holes that's just like a hobby for them. Wouldn't the snake be angry? Bite him on the tongue? Yeah. Luckily, there's no evidence of poison. So whatever bit him, if it was a snake, it was probably another one of those gutters like he had earlier, right? Okay. Can I go to my bunk now? Are you feeling okay? I know it was a little hard to take out there. I'm a little freaked out. Your tummy makes a weird gurgling sound. And the both of you hear it. You might need to get to a bathroom rather quickly. Oh. Are you okay? Rosa? I guess not. I gotta go. And as I'm saying this, I'm like walking out the door. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, we'll, we'll see you in the morning. Uh, have a good night. Yeah, thanks. Okay, bye. As you're rushing back to the bunkhouse, the reality of what you saw tonight hits you along with the sickness in your gut that's just roiling. So I'm going to need you to make a sanity roll, please. I rolled a 30 under 80, so that's a hard success. Diego. With a hastily assembled bundle of clothes under the blankets on your bed and a promise from Ben to whistle if any of the counselors poke their head into the bunkhouse, you and Harcourt sneak out the back window into the night. Presumably, Rosa was the last to be interrogated and would arrive soon. Everyone else was hunkered down for sleep, except the counselors. Two cabins down, Lem was keeping watch over Peter, who was recovering from what they think is a snake bite. This was the perfect time for a ho-ho run. Harcourt might not be the brightest kid at camp, but... He had connections, and you could appreciate anyone with connections. Only briefly does his ghost story and the encounter with Peter's snogging partner give you pause, though the enticement of free chocolate spurs you on. As you help overturn the hollow log, Harcourt hands you a treat and asks, So what did you tell Counselor Tammy you saw? I 
didn't tell her much. I mean, we were out there. There was Peter there. He might have been doing something in the woods. Yeah, I'm not a snitch. Snitches get stitches, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stitches get stitches. Yeah, yeah. It's exactly right. Yeah. What, what was that? Was that James Cagney? What'd you see, anyways? I mean, I saw red hair. Like Brigitte, she's got red hair. Hmm. Well, it could have been Brigitte. She had no way she would make out with Peter. That's so stupid. Unless there's lots of kids here who have red hair. I mean, you know, a bunch of gingers, really. There's something going on here. I don't like it. Well, how about the ho ho? Do you like that at least? Oh yeah, no, those are great. Let's uh, let's keep going with those. I gave the flashlight to Ben, and I couldn't really see anything clearly. So plus, my eyeglasses are kind of out of prescription. I'm getting some new ones before school in the fall. Can't wait. I'm gonna get something cool and stylish. Maybe you should go for something that's a little uh, less Coke bottle then. Uh, I don't really have a whole lot of options there. I was thinking maybe sugar free Sprite bottle. I don't know, man. I had a cousin who drank like six of those things, had the runs for days. I guess Peter's going to be okay. I don't know if I feel good about that at all. He'll be okay until he finds the snake that I left in his bed. And, you know, we'll go from there. I think think he's going to shit himself. (laughs) That'd be so funny. Pooping pants. That's what my dad says. We uh, we got everything here. We we get to head back. You know, if you're gone for too long, the longer we're gone, the higher the risk. I, I might have some snowballs down here, you know. Snowballs? You're right. We'll we'll get those later. I think uh, maybe. We, um, oh, that's weird. Do you hear that? Well, if you shut your yep for just one second, I'm gonna kind of like duck down a little bit closer to the ground and just kind of swivel my head back and forth and see if I can't pick any unknow- unusual noises out of the the background sound of the woods. Well, actually, you don't hear it from the background of the woods. It appears to be coming from your lower intestines. <laughs> So I'm not the only one. And it feels as though your guts do a complete 180. Dude, are you, are you okay? Are you going to be okay? You're, you're kind of sweating. Yeah. Um. Tell you what, you uh, you get this stuff back to the cabin. I'll be um. I'll be right behind you. Okay. Uh, you sure? It's kind of dark out here. No, it's, I got it. No worries. Okay. Uh, I'll I'll see you back at the bunkhouse. <laughs> and he he slinks away. And you're out there with the crickets and shifting noises and a hoot of an owl. Walk back behind the biggest tree I can find close by. And as you do so, you feel a certain cold fear almost erupt from your skin, dripping down your face. I'm going to need you to make a sanity roll. Uh, I needed a 40. I rolled a 44. That's a failure. So you're going to take one point of sanity damage and you become so convinced that you are seeing redheaded figures momentarily hiding behind trees and you burst into a full run back to the bunkhouse. Ben, now that Diego is gone... You're intensely aware of Rose's absence. That is, until you realize Lindsay is in the bunk beside yours. She's got a pen light in her mouth, pointed at her notebook as she scribbles quietly. Just looking at her fills you with guilt, because earlier, she took you to the rock down by the lake to see the chiseled writing on it, believing it was some kind of pirate communique 
pointing toward a treasure. On sight, however, you recognize the symbols. Chumash tribe petroglyphs. They were common in this area and certainly didn't reveal any golden chests buried by peg-legged men. But you didn't have the heart to tell her that. She was so excited about the prospect, and her enthusiasm was infectious. You didn't want to be the one to pop that bubble, so you played along, feigning ignorance. She wrote it all down in her journal, which made you feel even worse, knowing that she'd eventually find out the truth. She hissed too loudly. The pen light now pointed toward you. I know you saw something out there. Something weird. I could tell by the way your eyes move when the others ask you about it. But you could tell me. We're friends. What'd you see? All I saw was a flash of blonde hair. There was, it was really hard to see. And then all of a sudden, he was just face down on the ground. Did somebody push him? I don't know. That's the weird part. It looked like he, he was hugging somebody. And then all of a sudden, there was nobody there. It was just him on the ground. I overheard you say something about there was blood. They think it's a snake, which I don't know how a snake's going to bite him in his mouth or on, I guess maybe on his lip. Wait a minute. And she flips back a couple pages. Did you say blonde hair? Yeah, I'm sure I saw Blonde. After dinner, I saw Nicky, and he was making, like, dagger eyes at Peter. But were they dagger eyes? Could they have been bedroom eyes? Was Peter making out with Nicky? That could be, but we don't want to start rumors. You're right. Write that down, though. That is good. That might be the case. I mean, I could have misinterpreted it. Like, kind of like The Rock. I mean, we could be misinterpreting those as pirates and they could be something else. We don't know yet. We should look for the treasure tomorrow. I'll look for the treasure with you. Okay. It's a date. Um, I gotta go brush my teeth, okay? So don't forget to write that thing down we talked about. But remember, it's just an idea. Okay. Just as you get ready to launch yourself out of bed and head to the bathroom, both Rosa and Diego return to the bunkhouse looking desperately ill. I'm going to need both Rosa and Diego to roll con, please. Uh, I needed a 60. I rolled a 43. That's a success. 81. I needed 50. I failed. It's time for you to shit your pants. I'm going to shit on you, Diego. Rosa and Diego just rush past you, and you can't ignore the sounds of distress that are coming from the stalls. After a few moments, Diego comes sauntering out of his little stall, looking a little weathered, but uh, Rosa is still uh, indisposed. Try rocking back and forth. I haven't been hit that hard since the uh, the Chili Fest a couple of years ago out of Indiana. Woo, that was a day. Ben, you're doing your best to just ignore all of this. And you look at your reflection and a little bit of toothpaste dribbles out onto your chin. It looks exactly like the blood that spilled out of Peter's mouth. The toothpaste turns blood red. I'm going to need you to make a sanity roll. On next week's episode of Roll for Sanity. I needed a 40. I rolled an 85. That's successfully failed. You will take one point of sanity damage. As I'm brushing my teeth and I see this happen, the toothbrush is in my mouth and I go pale white and I just keep pushing the toothbrush into my mouth until I realize that it's too far back and it's too late. I gag and I throw up all into the sink. Dude, it's fucking gross. What's happening? 
I just saw like blood coming out of my mouth, like what we saw with, with Peter. You sure that's not just from the putting the toothbrush too far back? It was toothpaste. Then it wasn't toothpaste. I think the camp food's getting to you. That's what did it to me. I hope so. That was really weird. I hate this camp food you hear from the stall behind you. I hate so much toilet paper. So after a few moments, uh, Rosa comes out of the stall. The three of you look at each other completely exhausted. Walk over to my bed, uh, reach underneath, and I'm going to toss Ben one of the, the ho-hos that I got from Harcourt and say, here, yeah, that might take that taste out of your mouth. Thank you. I appreciate that, Diego. Rosa, do you want to split this with me? No, no. I scarf it down because I'm, for some reason, I'm still hungry. I don't know why. So the three of you return to your bunks and get some sleep. Sunrise comes early and you're a little irked to find that you are among the last to awaken, with many kids already vacated from the bunkhouse and everyone else finishing up their morning routines. There's no sign of Harcourt or Lindsay, so you assume they let you sleep off last night's excitement and will catch up with you at breakfast. Quickly, you shower and dress, bringing up the rear of a procession to the mess hall. Once inside, you're struck by how quiet everyone is. You had expected noisy jostling at the food stations and excited chatter, but instead, the kids have all taken seats at the tables their attention riveted to counselors Lem and Tammy, watching everyone gravely. Lem clears his throat. Unfortunately, uh, one of your fellow campers has fallen ill. Peter Robinson was bitten late yesterday by a a snake, and, and his condition has worsened overnight. I'm leaving shortly to get medical attention. He casts a serious glance at Tammy nods. He continues, I'll be back with help no later than tomorrow morning. If I can catch a ride on the road, it'll be sooner. Uh, Today's activities are canceled, so you have free time, but please stay out of the woods. We don't know what thing did this to Peter, and we don't want any more casualties. Also, please steer clear of the first aid check. Peter needs his rest until I get back with the doctor. Okay, that's it. Have some breakfast while it's still warm. He turns toward Counselor Tammy, speaking in hushed tones, while the rest of the campers make a mad dash for the steaming trays of sausages, eggs, and bacon. Everybody give me a psychology roll. I needed a 10, I rolled an 82. I needed a 10, I rolled a 35. I failed with a 74 over 60. I want to push it. Tell me how you're pushing it before you can roll. I'd like to move a little closer. So now you're shifting towards Mm -hmm. Counselor Tammy to see her reaction to what he is whispering to her. Mm -hmm. Okay, that constitutes a push. Push it real good. That is a fail again with 77 over 60. Bye. I would like to know what horrible thing is going to happen to me. I think we can do it right away. Nice. Counselor Tammy notices you attempting to eavesdrop very clumsily. And she puts up a finger in front of Lem, who turns around and they both look at you. And she marches straight up to you, takes you by the ear, and drags you out of the mess hall. Ow, 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 ow. 
ow, ow, please let go of me. And you guys hear this occur as she is dragged away. Anyway, what'd you get for breakfast? Elbow bend to make sure that he looks and sees that Rosa's getting dragged out. What the hell happened? Cover me. And I'm going to try and sneak out after him. Okay, that's going to require a stealth to get past Lem. I needed a 60, I rolled a 72. Lem essentially blocks the exit. Where do you think you're going? The food from yesterday's, you know, not happy in my downstairs. I, I'm going to lose it if I don't get out of here, man. Like sprinkler system in the mess hall. Is, Fill that hole with something and you'll feel better. And as he turns you around back towards the mess hall, you see Harcourt waving his hand. Dago, is I, I got the table. Uh, Brigitte's here. Where's Rosa? She got dragged outside. What'd she do? I don't know. I was eating. Oh, what'd you get? I got oatmeal. Ugh. That's raisins in there, right? I think so. Poke it. It's like old people food. Yeah, but they're sticky. Why are they sticky? So what's the plan today, Diego? You know how they said that we were not allowed to go back into the woods? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that means we got to go back into the woods. What about the snakes, though? Uh, wear long pants. You know, my mom would really kill me if I got bit. You know, maybe we should stay here and protect a certain uh, young lady. Oh, no, no, you're, you're totally right. We, we couldn't possibly risk you, you know, going out into the woods and, you know, figuring out what was going on. and Keep it down. You know, we might maybe even catching the, the, the person that's doing this and bringing them back and, you know, you'd be a hero. And But you definitely shouldn't do that. Not oh. under any circumstances. So you potentially save the day. Nope. You just wait here. You hide here. And, you know, I'll go take care of it. You think it's a person, too? It can't be a snake, right? Oh, God, no. Who could do something like that? Like they stab him with a fork or something? I mean, my dad said he saw some weird stuff in some of his tours. Like he was a tour guide? No, uh, my dad's a general in the Air Force. He's generally in the Air Force? <laughs> Should be more specific than that. He's specifically in the Air Force. Generally? Generally, he's specific. He's in the Pacific? No, that's the Navy. Hey, Harcourt, is there a back door? Lem's gone, guys. We don't have to sneak around anywhere. But we still need a plan, right? Brigitte and I are going to head back to the bunkhouse and maybe do a little study. And Could you check on Rosa? Is that okay? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll check with her. See you guys later. And he leaves with Brigitte. If Lem's gone, I'm. we've got free reign. Let's get out of here and go check it out. Hell yeah. Do you have anything that you can use to protect yourself? I'll grab a stick or something once we're out there. I got a spoon, so I'm good. So I'm going to stand up and head towards the door. In order, in order to allay suspicion, I'm going to wait 10 seconds after he walks out the door before I leave. And I'm going to walk so slow that each step is 10 seconds. <laughs> the both of you exit the mess hall and look around and it's pretty empty. Let's retrace our steps. Let's go over to the fire pit under that big tree. And then that way we make sure we're going to the right spot to see where he fell down. Yeah, good idea. Uh, looks like we're all clear. We shouldn't have any trouble. So you guys make your way back to pyre number three. And yeah, it's exactly as you left it last night. Because we were sitting here and then I remember somebody saying something about a squirrel. Was it a squirrel? Yeah, I think it was a squirrel. Possum. It was a squirrel, I think. Yeah. All right, we'll leave these two bozos so, Rosa, Counselor Tammy takes you outside the counselor cabin and puts her hands on her hips and says, Rosa, what, what is your problem today? What do you mean? All I was doing was, was moving around and trying to get breakfast. Any other stories you want to tell me? What is wrong? I'm just saying, you need to respect your elders, and I don't want to see you snooping around anymore, okay? If I catch you or your little friends... I was f getting breakfast. You can keep singing that song all day long, Missy, but for now, 
you're free to go. Don't let me catch you again. One more, and there will be a report. To who? To your mother. Fine. And you hear Harcourt trotting up behind. Oh, hey, how was I? Hi, Cancel Tammy. Is everything okay here? Yeah, it's fine. I was just leaving. I dropped Brigitte off at the uh, the bunkhouse. Uh, do you want to hang out with us? Sure. I'll go towards the bunkhouse. And the two of you return to the bunkhouse and open up the door. Oh, Brigitte, she's not here. Maybe, she, maybe she's in the bathroom. Where'd Diego and Ben go? They said they were going to go search around in the forest. I think back where Peter was found. So back by the fire where we were last night? In the woods. There's supposed to be snakes in there and, oh God, poison ivy. We need to figure out what's going on. We can't just do that here. You're not like a rat on me, are you? You know, snitches get stitches. Yes, that's what Diego told me. Yeah. I wish you wouldn't go. But I got to figure out what's wrong so we can keep everyone here at the camp safe. Something happened to to me and Ben back home. Oh. None of the grown-ups did anything and... We had to do everything by ourselves. It was it was important. Otherwise, the town was in real trouble. So what if it's like that again? And I'm not going to wait for a response. I'm just running. Okay, I'll, I'll stay here then. I would like to be a little surreptitious about it. I don't know if you want like an actual stealth roll. Yeah, actually, I'm going to need stealth rolls from everybody. I needed a 60. I rolled a 68. Almost nice. I needed a 60. I rolled a 38. I'm a thuck feather. I failed with a 48 over 20. Rosa, you hear Counselor Tammy. Where do you think you're going, Missy? I'm heading towards the lake. You said we had free time, right? That's true. I just want to make sure you're not getting up to any shenanigans. What I'm going towards the lake, there are going to be other kids there, right? True. Okay, well, just be careful. And if you take a boat out, please wear a life vest, okay? I will. She turns back towards the uh, first aid shack. She also, her spidey sense is tingling. (laughs) So if you try to sneak into the woods, you are fucked. Yeah. Diego, there's no trail or anything, so you spread out slightly. And Ben, you get behind a tree trying to pinpoint the spot where you actually saw Peter take a face first plunge into the foliage with a bleeding mouth and Diego hears a snapping twig looks over and sees a young boy with dark hair and bright blue eyes looking directly at you and then he quickly takes off running back towards the camp this isn't gonna end well onward why don't you go ahead and give me a spot hidden then needed a 45 rolled a 50 I failed so I'm going to need a survival roll from each of you. I need an 11. I rolled a 15, so I failed. Spend the luck. Yeah, I'm going to spend the luck. So I have 68, now I have 64. I needed a 40, I rolled a 92. That's a failure. The young boy who spotted Diego and is now presumably running back to camp to tell on him distracted you momentarily. Your hand brushes up against a large and voluminous poison ivy plant. Almost immediately... Hives break out as the oils coat the back of your hand. And you know this is not going to end well in approximately two hours. However, Ben, at the very last moment, crosses past that tree and sees you walk directly into a poison ivy plant. And you realize, Ben, that there is poison ivy everywhere. And you narrowly miss getting a tall one brushed up against your face. And unfortunately, uh, you can't pinpoint exactly where it occurred last night because it was so dark and the trees don't look the same. And you hear Counselor Tammy begin calling from the camp. Shit. 
We got to make a break for it. I'm just going to start sprinting through the woods. I'm not even going to wait. I'm just going to take off away from her voice to try and like loop back around into the camp. I'm going to just take my medicine and start walking back in. Watching out of the corner of your eye as Diego is just elbows and assholes all the way. You'll never catch me, coppers. (laughs) You come back to pirate number three, Ben, and Counselor Tammy is there with her arms crossed. I thought I told you guys not to go in the woods. Where's Diego? I don't know where he went. I just wanted to try to kill that thing that hurt Peter. That stupid snake. Boys are the worst. What if it hurts somebody else? Stay out of the woods. Why do you think Peter got hurt? All right, mister. Get back to the bunkhouse. You don't even know me anymore. And I got to turn around back to my You're bunkhouse. You're not my real mom. <laughs> You're not the boss of me. And Rosa, you see Ben stalk off towards the bunkhouse while Counselor Tammy enters the woods. I'm going to go down to the water. So you you head down to the water uh, looking presumably for Nikki. Mm-hmm. Why don't you give me a spy hidden? Ooh, I succeeded with a 14 under 25. There are some kids down there, a couple swimming, a few of them canoeing out into the lake. You don't see Nikki anywhere, but you do see that the oil slick thing out towards the raft is gone. I guess I look for... Oh, Lindsay's always taking notes. Sure, Lindsay's there. Hey, Rosa, how's it going? Uh, Have you seen Ben? I think he just got caught by Counselor Tammy. What is wrong with her? With Tammy? Yeah, she's so... Ugh, she's so uptight. Well, I mean, she's got a lot of kids, if you think about it. She grabbed me by the ear and dragged me outside. Oh, that's that's weird. It was very not cool. Wonder what it is that would put her on edge. I don't know. She said I was like looking at her talking to Len. It was right after the announcement this morning. That seemed weird, didn't it? I haven't seen Peter since obviously last night. They said that he's in the first aid until the doctor gets here. I'm gonna go talk to Peter. Would you keep an eye out for Tammy? And if it if she's here, just just like try to talk to her or something. I'll keep an eye out, and if I see her, I'll whistle. How's that? That sounds great. Thank you so much, Lindsay. You're awesome. Okay, just, you know, tell Ben I I helped, okay? Yeah, okay, I will. Okay, let's go. Okay. And she walks up with you towards the first aid shack. I am going to try the door. The door is locked. I'm going to walk around the building and see if there's anything. It's a very small shack, but all of the windows have been shuttered from the outside and bolted from the inside. I'm going to go up to that door and I'm going to knock. Hey, Peter. Peter, are you in there? And there's dead silence. Do you know how to pick a lock? Who, me? Pick a lock? I read about it in like a Nancy Drew novel, yeah. But what did she do? I think she had like a bobby pin. Do you have any bobby pins in your hair? I don't. Did Brigitte? I thought maybe she had... She does have long red hair. You're right. Let's go talk to Brigitte. Where, where is she? They're in the bunkhouse. And Ben's there too. Oh, okay. Uh, Yeah, yeah, follow me. Mm -hmm. And she makes a beeline to the bunkhouse, which is just two shacks over. And uh, you walk in and see Ben on his bunk, just sitting, and Harcourt facing him. They both look up as you and Lindsay enter. Oh, hey, we needed to talk to Rajit. I don't know where she went. She's not here. She's not even in the bathroom. Oh, you went in the bathroom and looked for her? That's kind of weird. Well, no, I just called out. She doesn't talk, though. Oh, that's true. Knock once if you're pooping. <laughs> <laughs> Two if you're pooping. <laughs> Maybe I'll go see if she's in the bathroom. I'm going to walk into the bathroom. Brigitte, if you're in here, can you just like knock on one of the walls? And there's dead silence. 
I'm going to go over and see if the window would be big enough for a person to crawl through. Probably, yeah. A thin person, sure. Maybe not like Peter. That's weird. Why would she want to run away? And I'm going to come back out to the guys. Lindsay's sitting next to Ben on the bed. Are their knees touching? Ooh, scandalous. Yeah, my knees always touch. I'm reverse (laughs) bow-legged. And she's showing him something in the book. Harcourt, you said you saw her come in here, right? Maybe she just went to do something. She's very quiet, that one. Why? Did she do something? I just don't know where she is. Doing girl stuff? I don't know. You guys don't have bobby pins, do you? Do anybody know how to pick a lock? I've done it a couple times. We're going to need some two bobby pins at least. Why don't we look through some of the footlockers? Somebody's bound to have one. Oh, that's a good idea. And at that moment, Diego enters the bunkhouse. Sweaty, arm blotchy and red. Okay, guys. If anybody, if, if anybody comes asking, I've been here the whole time, okay? Didn't go nowhere. I've been here. Diego, what happened? He's got poison ivy, guys. It's what poison ivy where? Diego, stop. Look at your arm. What is that? Oh. Why is it so weird looking? It's real puffy. If you're allergic to poison ivy, we need to do something about it. It might be a a small problem. Now we really need to get into that medical shack. Where's Counselor Tammy? Oh, she's probably out in the woods looking for me. It's best she not know. Diego, have you ever picked a lock? Allegedly. There's no proof of this. What do you need to pick a lock? Probably a couple of bobby pins. Why? Let's look for some bobby pins. At that moment, Harcourt goes, got him. Oh, good. Thank you, Harcourt. Give him a little peck on the cheek. And Lindsay's furiously scribbling in her notebook. Guys, just so you know, she's documenting everything we're doing. It's completely secret. Don't worry about it. Snitches get stitches. I'm going to put my hand on her hand and say, thank you, Lindsay. <laughs> You're welcome. And then I realize what I did. <laughs> I'm going to grab the uh, the bobby pins from Harcourt. All right, which way is this medical thing? I'll lead the way. You head back to the first aid shack, and it seems relatively clear. That door is locked, and we need to get in. You tried the knob just to be sure? I did. All right, cover me, I guess. We'll watch for you. Make your roll. I needed a 40. I rolled a 48. That's a failure. How much luck you got, man? I'm going to push it. So I fumble around with the pins for a bit, and I can kind of feel like I'm getting somewhere. I can tell it's close, but right as I get uh, right about there, one of the pins snaps. And so I fish out that other end, and instead of taking my time and being careful like I should, I just really angrily just push it into the lock as hard as I can and just start jiggling in hopes that it actually opens. All right. Uh, I needed a 40 and I rolled an 82. That's another failure. So the bobby pin enters the lock mechanism, slips out of your hand, and is now embedded in there, potentially blocking any key. Here, let me try to see if I can at least get it out. I'm, I'm just I'm just like trying to wipe my fingerprints off of the door so they can't find me. I'm going to use my Swiss Army knife and pull out the nail file. Put the nail file up to where the opening is, and I'm going to put my hand at the back of the knife and try to jam it in to try to reset all the pins and push them up so I can turn the knife, which should unlock the door. So go ahead, locksmith. I needed a 40. I rolled a 32. That's a success. That was amazing. And sure enough, the combination of the shards of bobby pins inside the mechanism and then the nail file turning everything in exactly the right part so the tumblers disengage. I loosened it for you. You're welcome. I'm going to open the door very carefully. Immediately to your right is a small rolling cart. 
And the first thing you see among all of the bottles and liquids and gauze is a big bottle of calamine. I'm going to grab it. You got to put this on your on your arm. First chance you get. Yeah, drink it, I think. All right. Down the hatch. For external use only, damn it. It's a suppository? I'm going to hand it to Diego, very pointedly handing it to his unblemished hand. Oh, thank God. This thing is starting to burn. You can rub that on your poison ivy. My mom has rubbed that on my poison ivy sometimes when I go out in the woods. Oh, oh, oh. Like on my ankles and stuff. Soon as I have that, I'm going to uh, check outside to make sure I don't see Tammy anywhere, and I'm just going to like beeline sprint back to the bunkhouse. And then I'm going to turn back and continue into the shack. Diego rushes off to take care of business, and Rosa turns back to the first aid shack. You see what is clearly just a small nurse's station, more or less. First aid kits on the wall. But more importantly, to the left is a white curtain. It clearly cuts off the rest of whatever's behind there. I'm going to very slowly move towards the curtain. And Harcourt and Lindsay are creeping up behind you, watching you what you're doing. Ben, what are you doing? Trying to get my knife out of the lock. It is stuck. And I'm panicking. Rosa... Pulls back the curtain just as Ben extricates his knife from the tumbler. And then Rosa sees a gurney upon which Peter lies, his eyes wide open, staring up at the ceiling, a faint smile on his face, and a swollen tongue protruding from his mouth. His flesh is pale and bloodless. Go ahead and give me a sanity roll. Oh, I succeeded with a 49 under an 80. It is a shock to see this unsavory person in such a state, but you kind of suspected something was up. Yeah, Rosa knew something was going on. You didn't really like the way that Lem was talking at the mess hall this morning yeah diego you rush into the bunkhouse all set to apply some sweet sweet calming calamine on your red burning flesh and you fling open the bunkhouse door stride inside and directly inside is brigitte standing immediately before you and she says my brother, Nicky, he's disappeared. You can talk? Tune in next time as we play another reel of the Lovecraft tapes. What? It was all a rouge. One big rouge. Brigitte can talk, huh? Yeah, did, did not see that one coming. Did we know that Brigitte and Nicky were siblings? I don't think so. Nikki never brought it up. It wouldn't have brought it up to me. It would have to you, possibly. But Brigitte was mute, we thought. So what the hell? Why would you fake that? Maybe losing her brother snapped her out of it. Well, now it's time for some hashtag recommendos, where we share some of our geeky obsessions. What's your wrecking, Mendo? I've been running a new game for some friends, and it's been really fun. It's called Moonlight on Roseville Beach. 
they describe it as an RPG of queer disco cosmic horror, which sounds awesome. It's a really easy system. I believe it's similar to Forged in the Dark, which is just a system where you roll a number of d6s based on your skill. It's got some fun character creation. You get to uh, decide characters, all the normal stuff, and then you also get to decide the characters' connections to each other. So you have to say like what they did together and then they saw something weird or they experienced something weird together and then they both get consequence and they might have they might actually have different consequences based on how they roll set on this island in the 80s when the HIV AIDS scare was real big the queer community found a safe place to be. There's like this little town and everybody in it basically is queer. So it's like a super safe place. And the other thing that I really love about it is we get to create the world. We can just ignore the fact that we didn't really know about trans people, that there was all this hatred going on inside the town. It's all very inclusive and super fun. The players are all housemates and they have adventures. We are about to do our first session and I'm just really, really excited. The game is called Moonlight on Roseville Beach and it's by R. Rook Games. And you can find it on Drive Through and Itch. Thank you, Lupine. Brian, you are up next. Um, I do a lot of utility work, uh, building sets and designs and stuff like that. I go through a lot of razor blades and they're a pain in the butt to change because you got to be extremely careful. You're going to cut yourself, whether it's exacto blades or if it's just box cutters. I like to use box cutters last so I can get deep into the foam. I found a replacement. I'm sure people know this that do crafts, but if you don't, you have to switch from the old steel blades. You can get ceramic utility blades. And the company that I ordered from off of Amazon is UT1. Uh, they have all different amounts that you can get, but I got the 10-pack. One of them lasts at least, so far, at least five times longer than the steel blade. So they're fantastic. They cost a little bit more, but it's so worth it. If you do any type of crafts or set design, any type of uh, work using, even with carpet, you could, you know, or any materials like that, where you're always using a razor knife or razor blade and you're going through blades a lot, the ceramics also better for the environment. It's it's a little bit easier to get away with that and justify spending a little bit more. But uh, UT1 uh, has a great selection, great reviews, and uh, I've had really good luck with them over the last three weeks. So check them out. Ceramic Blades. Thanks, Bri. We'll check that out. Matt, you are up next. Tonight, I am recommending the latest, the greatest, the new kid on the block. Baldur's Gate 3 is the newest release from Larian Studios. It is more or less the closest you can get to playing a Dungeons & Dragons campaign without having to deal with other people or scheduling or scheduling other people or trying to get people together. It's a very in-depth RPG where you can create your own character you can go to town they have a bunch of different races sub races classes subclasses you can make yourself look however you want they have genital options which is always great to see i'm not joking there's options for these things they literally make this game as easy as possible to have as much fun as possible there's literally a guy you can talk to you if you get you know five levels in and you're like i'm not enjoying being a barbarian i want to be a wizard good news you can literally talk to some dude in your camp and five levels through 
boom, you're now a wizard instead. Larian has gone through great lengths and great pains to make sure that every little weird side case you could possibly think of would break the game or circumvent something is something they actually went, haha, just kidding. We knew you were going to try that. And then they did something funny with it and made it work. You can solve any problem in just about any way imaginable. Uh, you can play single player by picking up a group of uh, NPC companions to take with you. You can play co-op up to four people, uh, which is the more entertaining way to play. But no matter how you play it, or where you play it, because it is Steam Deck verified, which is nice. Uh, Baldur's Gate 3 is just an absolutely amazing game that everybody should be playing. All right. Thanks, Matt. All right, guys, it's my turn. You know, sometimes I'm in the mood to play a video game all by myself. No online cues or texting my friends to see if they're available. And when I'm in that mood, I like to play something laid back without much pressure, but with an overriding theme that flirts with horror or suspense. The Talos Principle from Crow Team, fits the bill nicely. You play a robot or android, it's not really clear, and there's no real backstory to the player from the get-go, who wanders a beautifully rendered world of islands filled with ruins that contain puzzles to solve. As you progress, you collect differently shaped pieces, which unlock certain gates, beyond which are more puzzles. All the while, you are guided in part by a godly voice from above, or from within, it's not really clear, and a series of computer terminals which tell the story piecemeal of a society that may be long dead. The tone is elegic, funereal, and deeply sorrowful. Yet, there's a joy to figuring out each quandary and an impetus to keep pushing forward in order to find the answers to the ultimate mystery. In that, the game is a lot like, well, life. Since the Talos Principle 2 is on the horizon, you can probably pick up the first game for cheap right now, and that is what I did. I think I paid four bucks or something, four or five bucks. Definitely if you like the puzzle solving and sort of a like wander around and figure things out. Not quite Portal, but very similar in tone. I think you'd like the Talos Principle. Hmm. Hmm. All right, guys. Well, that's going to be it for this episode of the Lovecraft Tapes. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe on whatever podcast platform you prefer. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review. Meanwhile, visit lovecrafttapes.com for up-to-date information about our podcast and subscribe to our live streams at twitch.tv slash lovecrafttapes or youtube.com slash lovecrafttapes. You can chat with me in real time at discord.lovecrafttapes.com. And if uh, anybody knows what to do about poison ivy, and uh, if you're allergic to poison ivy, and is my arm going to fall off, it'd be nice to know. Uh, you can hit me up on Mastodon at the Real Weird Kid, or if you're into other newer, weirder out there social media sites, I'm on Blue Sky now at the Real Weird Kid. So, you know, come find me there. If you want to talk about a very variety of topics, including, um, eyeballs that happen to be hairy or um counselors that are keeping secrets from small children you can uh find me at my link tree which is linktree slash lupine vendetta all one word and if you guys can help me come up with other cool slangs from the 1970s slide into my dms until next time roll for calamine <laughs> rub it everywhere The Lovecraft Tapes Podcast is copyright 2023.
For more information and sponsorship opportunities, please send email to podcast at thelovecrafttapes.com. Support the Lovecraft Tapes podcast and get access to exclusive content and rewards at patreon.com slash lovecrafttapes.